Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. The children of Israel were preparing to enter into the good land to do battle with the kings that occupied the land that God had given them to occupy and possess. Prior to their engaging these enemies, Jehovah performs a miracle quite similar to one that he had performed for their fathers a generation before when they escaped from Egypt. He once again held back the waters, allowing them to cross. Only this time, not the waters of the Red Sea, but the waters of the Jordan River, News of this miracle reached the kings within the land, and it caused them no small amount of fear, for they realized that God was among the children of Israel once more. Yet the preparation of Israel was still not complete. Ron Kangas is here today as we consider the preparation of Israel in Joshua chapter 5. An interesting chapter, isn't it, Ron? Uh, the chapter itself is most interesting, and I have a particular appreciation of Brother Lee's ministry on this point in helping us to focus on uh, a number of crucial matters related to our experience of Christ's life, related to God's economy, related to the centrality of Christ in God's economy. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a short message, but it's very rich in its presentation of Christ as life for our experience, embodied, would you believe it, in the Revelation in this chapter of the book of Joshua. It's uh, another one of those chapters, and so many of these Old Testament ones are. They are somewhat rich in story line and story content, but uh, the real spiritual significance, as we see it again and again in these life study messages that you just alluded to, is really the striking thing that we hope to uh, bring out today. As we've said, there was some uh, preparation going on here. These uh, battles and these kings and these enemies were awaiting and God certainly was dealing with the people to get them to the point where they could engage these enemies. And so in that light, I think when we see these uh, subtle things that are often overlooked when people enjoy and get into these stories, then uh, the the whole chapter takes on a very rich significance, and I hope that comes out. I've got a couple of verses here, Ron, I think that will become a good backdrop for what we're about to hear from Witness Lee. First two verses in chapter 5. Now it came about when all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the sons of Israel until they had crossed, that their hearts melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the sons of Israel. At that time the Lord said to Joshua, Make for yourself flint knives and circumcise again the sons of Israel the second time. Of course, we uh, saw circumcision, something that took place a generation before, and now a new generation preparing to enter in. And uh, this time Joshua gets the command from Jehovah to circumcise the males once more. Uh, This is going to turn out to be quite significant, isn't it? Exceedingly significant and a vital and necessary part of the preparation 
Without this aspect of the preparation, war against Jericho and any other fortified cities would be impossible. We must have this element actually and practically in our experience today. Well, let's join Witness Lee, Ron. Before the children of Israel went to attack the Canaanites, they were doing something to get themselves more qualified, right? They got disciplined, they got trained in Egypt, in the wilderness for 40 years, but still they need something more. The first thing here covered is the matter of circumcision. Circumcision is a continuation of the burial in the death of Christ. Yes, in the crossing of the river of Jordan, they, especially with their old men, were buried there. Well, this was just an objective deed done by God. Now, they need to apply what God has done to their very flesh. So, they have to prepare the knives of flint to cut. And this cutting was their application of what God did in the crossing of the river Jordan. So, they become not only actually, but practically a buried and resurrected person. Circumcision, even in the New Testament, means the application of the Lord's death upon us all the time. Romans 6 tells us we have been baptized into the death of Christ, and we have been buried with him. Yet, there's one verse in Galatians 5 that tells us we, the ones who belong to Christ, should crucify our flesh. Our flesh was crucified already, in fact. But in practicality, we need to crucify ourselves, to crucify our flesh, day by day. And this is the real remaining in the burial and death of Christ. This is circumcision. Rod, you made uh, reference to the fact that how much appreciation you had for this ministry and how it opens up these matters. Reading this chapter, I don't know how many times I've read it, but I never saw the significance of what he just brought out here. And that is that, of course, we saw in an earlier message uh, in Joshua this week that the crossing through the Jordan typified our baptism, our burial into the death of Christ. And yet, as they come out the other side, there's a further requirement that the circumcision take place, and he connects both of these to these two passages in the New Testament, Romans 6, Galatians 5. This connection is really marvelous, isn't it? It's marvelous because it's made by God himself in the New Testament through Paul. It's not marvelous because we're innovative in our interpretation. It's a marvelous realization that, once again, we have the picture in the Old Testament in these chapters in Joshua. Once again, we have the caption under the picture or the definition of what the picture contains in the New Testament. The crossing of the Jordan signifies the burial of our entire old man, 
being baptized into Christ, being baptized into his death, based upon the fact that when Christ was crucified, our old man was crucified with him. This is a fact. But as we live the Christian life by walking in the Spirit for the building up of the body of Christ, we need to contend with or deal with Galatians 5.24. Those that are Christ's have crucified the flesh. This have crucified the flesh corresponds to the circumcision in Joshua chapter 5. This is our application in the spirit of the fact that our old man has been crucified with Christ. It is also the application in the spirit of the fact that we have been baptized into the death of Christ. Hmm. So we need to have this full view. We need to see that our old man has already been crucified with Christ. And we also need to see our responsibility to live and walk in the Spirit and to crucify the flesh in the sense of applying the accomplished death of Christ related to our old man to the flesh, which is the living out of the old man. If we don't have this kind of circumcision, then we cannot live and walk in the Spirit And especially, we cannot engage in the genuine spiritual warfare against the principalities and powers. So this is crucial. And I'm reminded this is a life study. In the study part, we see how the New Testament and the Old reflect each other. In the life part, we see that this is something for our actual and practical Christian experience. This is not merely Bible interpretation. Right. This is the normal Christian life. Well, the preparation of uh, Israel to enter into the good land and to start engaging with God, uh, the enemies that were uh, occupying the land, was not finished even with circumcision. A couple more items uh, show up in chapter 5. We're going to look at uh, one of those now, or actually two of them. At verse 10, it says, While the sons of Israel camped at Gilgal, they observed the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month on the desert plains of Jericho. And on the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten some of the produce of the land, so that the sons of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate some of the yield of the land of Canaan during that year. Uh, another monumental and significant uh, picture with a New Testament application, a New Testament caption, as you said, is before us in these verses. And let's join Witness Lee as we discover this additional marvelous picture. Then following circumcision, they had a feast of the Passover. They had the Lord's table to remember how Jehovah God has redeemed them, their firstborn, from the dead in Egypt. And to remember how Jehovah God, the Almighty, has saved them out of Egypt from the tyranny of Pharaoh. This was a type of the Lord's table. Whenever we come to the Lord's table, we remember him as the Redeemer 
and as the Savior. He redeemed us and He saved us. So, our portion today is not to die, but to eat, to enjoy Him, to partake of Him. Here was the case of the Old Testament, but it follows the steps of the New Testament. Hallelujah. Circumcised. Hallelujah. Enjoying Christ at his table. Then what follows? Before this time, they have been eating manna for 40 years. Manna was a kind of food from the heavens. They don't need to labor. They just need to pick up. But now, the produce of the Golan becomes their kind of supply. A kind of food which is the produce of man's cooperation with God. To produce what? To produce Christ. This Christ in stages is different from the Christ typified by manna. That was just Christ coming down from heaven to feed us. But in the epistles, Christ became no more manna. Christ became the produce of the good land prepared by God. And God's people work with God in cooperation to produce more Christ, to feed ourselves and to feed others, even to have a surplus to bring to God as offerings to God. Ron, in the introduction today, we made reference to the first time they had a crossing, the children of Israel, through uh, waters that God was holding back, that, of course, the Red Sea as they were having their exodus out of Egypt. And that event had an associated Passover with it as well. And now we see the Passover as they have once again crossed the waters, this time the Jordan waters. But yet this whole matter of feasting and eating takes on a new significance at this point, doesn't it? It does. This is a, a time of transition. And um, we would not minimize the importance of the Passover here. We know from 1 Corinthians 5 that Christ himself is our Passover. And we must enjoy him as the reality of the Passover. But I would like to follow Brother Lee in emphasizing the matter here in Joshua 5 with respect to the manna and the, uh, the produce And the manna ceased because the children of Israel were now eating another kind of substance. Right. The manna is a wonderful type of Christ as our food, our heavenly bread, the bread of life, sustaining us as we follow the Lord through our journey in the wilderness. But God's eternal purpose is not fulfilled by manna in the wilderness. God's eternal purpose to have a corporate expression of himself is fulfilled through our experience and enjoyment of the all-inclusive Christ typified by the riches of the land of Canaan. So this portion here, this transition point, is tremendous in its significance. It indicates God's people were going on from one stage of the experience of Christ, manna, to the ultimate stage, the experience of Christ as the all-inclusive land. 
And I'm so thankful that our brother is faithful to help us to see the intrinsic significance of this transition. So here we have an opening of the word to show us we must eventually come to the point after our circumcision in spirit, after a fresh enjoyment of Christ as the Passover, Mm. that the manna Christ gives way to the good land Christ. Mm. And this is what we have here. I was just impressed actually during the course of our fellowship that among these four items in chapter 5 of Joshua, we have Christ and the cross. We have the cross involved with the circumcision. That signifies the application of the death of Christ to our flesh. Then we have Christ as the Passover. And we have Christ implied as the manna. We especially have Christ as the produce of the good land. And I'm not trying to bring in a segue here. Whether this is a segue or not, I don't know. But eventually, we will see Christ in another wonderful aspect. So what we have here is the cross and Christ, Christ, more Christ, and still more Christ. This is surely the center of God's economy, Christ, and the center of God's operation in his economy, the cross. Oh, that the Lord's children would experience this Christ and this cross. In fact, it was a a timely utterance and a definite segue, and I'm going to pick up on it and use it to bring us into our final segment today, because after we have experienced this cross, the crucifixion of Christ, and feasted on him in all of these aspects, uh, one item yet remains before we're qualified to do battle, and that is what Joshua experienced next in chapter 5. And Joshua looked up to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, rather I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. A revelation of the captain of the hosts of Jehovah before Joshua. Let's find out about this in our last segment. Now, could you see, circumcised, enjoying the Lord's table, enjoying the Lord more and more, continuously, day by day, at least three times a day. Now what? Now they're really ready. They're really ready. All problems got solved, and they got the proper supply. At the Lord's table, at the produce of the good land, they're ready. Let's go. But they don't have a captain, a commander-in-chief. You may say, wasn't Joshua the commander-in-chief? Yes, he was the visible commander, physically. Actually, Joshua himself was nothing, just like you and me. So the reservation came to Joshua, and he saw a man, marvelous. And the man said, I come to be the captain of the army of Jehovah. So now the real commander-in-chief came. The invisible captain is behind the scene. So before children of Israel went to attack the Canaanites, they got fully ready, qualified with Jehovah 
the God and body in Christ to be their commander in chief. They, they went under the commanding of the captain, typified by the ark. The ark took the lead to go to attack the enemies. And the ark was a type of Christ who is the commander in chief. This is the intrinsic significances of chapter 5. Ron, the fourth item in chapter 5, the fourth of these intrinsic items we've just now seen, the appearance of this commander-in-chief, and now typified by the ark, leading the children of Israel into battle. Just comment, if you would, kind of put a, a bow around this marvelous package we've enjoyed today. We have a progressive unveiling of Christ in relation to the sequence of events in the book of Joshua to conquering the land and possessing the land for God's purpose. Christ is our Passover. Christ is the produce of the good land. This is for our inward sustenance, for energizing us. But Joshua, as the one taking the lead, he especially had to have a vision of the one truly in the lead. Otherwise, he could not fulfill his responsibility. So we have Christ unveiled as the captain of the hosts of the armies of Jehovah. Mm. And this captain stands outside the realm of our reasoning according to right or wrong, are you for us or against us? There's a sense in which we should not regard this captain as for us in a natural way. He is for God. He is for God's economy. And we, based upon his redemption, need to be for him. And because we are for God and for God's economy, then this wonderful captain is for us in the sense that he has made us his armies. And we need to realize in common language who is the commander-in-chief. It's significant that this vision of Christ came to Joshua because it's very easy for a leader to forget who really is the leader among us. And the Lord told us in Matthew 23, we're all just brothers, we have one teacher, we have one father, we have one leader. So I love this revelation of Christ as our unique captain, our unique commander-in-chief. Anyone who takes the lead among God's people, especially in warfare, must take the lead in submission to this wonderful one who is not only our Passover, our manna, and our produce from the good land, but also our captain. We are one with him, and we follow him in his embodiment, signified by the ark you know, with gold and acacia wood containing the law of God as the definition of God. This is yet another picture of Christ. The good land is a type of Christ. Even Joshua becomes a type of Christ. The captain of the hosts of Jehovah is Christ. So based upon the redemption of Christ and with Christ as our life supply, we follow Christ to be led into Christ to have the enjoyment of Christ for the expression of Christ. This is God's economy, and this is the burden of our ministry. 
And this is Joshua chapter 5, as probably few have ever uh, enjoyed it and seen it unveiled and opened up. What a rich and marvelous portion we've had today, Ron. Thanks as always. I'm glad you were here. And thanks to the Lord. Amen. Well, our time certainly is up. We would leave you quickly with our phone number and invite you to contact us about getting the whole printed volume. It contains really the life study messages for Joshua, Judges, and Ruth all in one volume, so it's going to be very economical. If you'd like to find out about it, please call us toll-free, 1-888-543-3788. For Ron Kangas today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee spent seven decades in the 20th century speaking Christ, first in Asia and then North America, eventually all over the world. The culmination of those 70 years of ministry was his Life Study of the Bible, an exhaustive exposition of the entire scriptures. This unique commentary focuses on how Christ can be life to man in an experiential and practical way. These programs encapsulate Witnessly speaking in just 26 minutes. But to get the complete riches, visit lifestudy.com. From there, you can read all of the Life Study messages in their entirety or download any of our more than 1,700 audio programs at no cost. Again, that website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.